Hello and welcome to the City Business Edition. My name is Kojo Akoto Boating. This morning we are talking about agribusiness. You know that's one of my favorite areas of discussion. And my guest is Alberta Efriye Mensa. Alberta is the founder and CEO of an agribusiness venture called Witama Agribusiness Limited. She is basically a farmer who ensures that she produces food so that we all get food to eat. So I, I want to get to know about her story and understand the farming the way she does it better here on the City Business Edition. Alberta, welcome to the City Business Edition. Thank you, Kojo. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Um, now, 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 you're a farmer. How yes, did I you am. end up being a farmer? Um, I have an interesting story. Uh -huh. um, with my, it's been intentional. I didn't stumble into agriculture. My, my interest started from junior high school when um, my agriculture teacher mentioned that there's something called agribusiness at the university level. I didn't know what it was. Again, to going into secondary school, I didn't want to go and read business. Neither did I want to go read science because I didn't want to go into the health sector. That's all I knew. I, I just thought, okay, science, you go into the health space. So I decided, let me pick a middle ground. If it's agribusiness, I get to infuse agric and business and I can find a space there. Thankfully, my parents never objected because someone will ask, why would you want to go read agriculture? Because I moved on to secondary school, Swedo secondary school specifically, and I read agricultural science there. And interestingly, we were just eight ladies among um, um, 50, a class of 50. So it's, been, it's always been a male-dominated Eight space. in a class of 50 doing yes. agribusiness. No, we're doing agricultural science Agric in science. secondary school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from there, I, I survived. Thankfully, the men didn't bully us. So then, boys, I moved on to um, University for Development Studies, Nyampala specifically, to read agribusiness, the agribusiness I heard of in GHS3. So I read agribusiness, and um, through our study, because UDS is a developmental school, we get to do a lot of community work, you do a lot of internship, and I got more introduced into the agribusiness agri space. From then, I did my national service with another agric organization. Then life happened, you know, sometimes man for job. So <laughs> <laughs> I had to move into a financial institution and I worked there for two years, which I always say it was timely. It was God's direction because I got to learn more about the financing bit and more administrative work. Then I finally resigned from the job and went back into agriculture again and that has been the journey so far wow interesting journey so a great science student at swedro uh, yeah. senior high school swedro is psc right yes psc you so know psc Albert. oh I've, I've, been, I've been to swedro senior high school yeah. at least two or three times so yes. you did a Greek science yes. in senior high school, yes. eight girls with in a class of about fifty. Yes. And then you went to um, the, the 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 university university of development studies to study agribusiness. Yes. Then the action didn't happen, so you found yourself in a financial institution. Yes. And now you are running your own <laughs> agribusiness back. venture. Yes. What what makes studying agribusiness um, at UDS? important why 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 should we even have courses like that 
Um, let me speak for UDS mm-hmm. because uh, I know Legon and KN West also run the program. For UDS, because it's mainly developmental, mm-hmm. you get to experience more of um, development or developmental strategical ways or strategies to um, to bring changes in rural northern Ghana. Yeah. And again, to UDS um, agribusiness, it's very centered around entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. We have uh, one of our courses, uh, agribusiness entrepreneurship, and we we go so much into it, uh, exploit the various opportunities in the agribusiness space. Aside that, we do um, financing and accounting, agribusiness finance and accounting, because that's what I majored in. We do agricultural economics, so you get to understand the, dy- the dynamics of agriculture and um, the economy, what it plays, the um, rise Demand and fall, and you know, all that. <laughs> you get exactly. So you get to appreciate all these things better, uh, including the, the, um, agronomy, the agronomy part, which we all go through. If you do agri- agriculture in UDS, it's a fa- so, the so, fundamental. So you pass out as an agronomist, you pass out as an ag- entrepreneur, a <laughs> um, Greek economist, yes. you pass out as an entrepreneur, you pass out as a rural development specialist. Okay. And when you put all these together, you become a better business person in the agri space. Yes, and to add, you even pass out as a finance person because mm-hmm. we do agri business financing, and uh, we are agri- um, UDS is so much into gender, mm-hmm. so you get to appreciate gender issues very well, mm-hmm. and it it helps in your work and in wherever you find yourself. So. Would you say that um, going to UDS, doing agri asuidro, and what you are doing now? It's the dream that you wanted to, to live and you are enjoying it. I'm not exactly living my dream, but I'm on my way. <laughs> <laughs> I am on the way, yes. Okay. Yes. Now, let's talk about your business, Witama Agribusiness Limited. What is Witama? What do you do? So, Witama is located in the West Mampresi, Waliwali specifically. We work in um, communities in the municipal and uh, we are into the production of grains, um, soya, rice, and maize. And um, we operate a commercial farm or a nucleus farm, and we also operate a, an outgrower scheme. So our business is such that we try or we are into the production of huge volumes of grains. So with our commercial farm on one side and our farmers or the outgrower scheme on the other side, we are able to get good amount of grains to supply into the market. Mm, so if you say you have a commercial farm, it's a farm that you own, yeah. manage, operate, and oversee yourself. Exactly. And if you say outgrowers, um, who are they? So the outgrowers here, I'm talking about farmers, who what we have is more like a partnership. Um, they bring on board their land and their time, and I, on the other hand, also um, offer them inputs. Inputs, I mean seeds, I mean crop protection products, fertilizer, mechanization service, and that's land preparation and even harvesting. I offer that to them and they pay me back. Okay. So we value whatever the package, whatever I'm giving to them, and they pay back in the form of grain. Mm. So that's how. We so the system it. works such that you give them input so that they can farm. Exactly. And then when they have to pay you back, they give you grain. Yeah. So that 
it also shows your own production up. Yeah. This is interesting. So your 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 own production. Tell me about it. How big is it? Um so last year, let me talk of last season, mm -hmm. we did two hundred acres of soya mm -hmm. that's on one block farm. Wow. And we did 450 of rice wow. and we did 50 acres of maize 200 acres of soya yes 450 of rice yes and 50 acres of maize yes that's a lot um anyone who works up north will not scream at this actually <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot yeah if 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 a football field is one hectare and one hectare is two and a half um acres it means your soya is about 80 football fields. Yes. And, and your rice is about um, 200 football fields. Yes. You can't tell me that's not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, in my little space, I wouldn't say it's a lot because mm. that's not the, um, the end game for us. We're looking at expanding and doing more. Mm. You know, population is increasing and we are eating a lot. Industrialization mm. is happening. So there's always demand. Mm. We get to a point in the season where there is shortage currently as we are experiencing. So even with our acres, we still can't be able so, not so able there's to feed always the demand for the food you produce. There is. The soya there is always demand. There is. The maize exactly. there is always demand. There is. How about the rice? The rice there is demand. Mm. But the issue is pricing. Okay. Yes, there is always demand. You get someone to pick it. But will it be at the price that will offset your input cost? And you know, when we talk about rice, I get a little emotional because it's a national issue. Uh, because of our importation, it's in a way affects us. And it makes it difficult for a miller who is coming to buy the paddy to buy it at a good price. Because the miller is incurring quite um, an amount or a lot to purchase and process it. And it gets to the market and sometimes selling is difficult or people are unwilling to pay for the value of it. And that way they are unable to purchase it at the right price from us. Mm. So, so we need to look at the rice value chain again and how we can prop up the local rice industry and the brands to yeah. survive in the market yeah. and get the right um, 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 value. Yeah. So that you, the farmers, can also get the right value. Yes, and produce more. So, 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 tell me about the outgrower scheme. So, with your nucleus farm, you did two hundred um, soya, you did about four fifty rice, you did fifty acres of maize. Uh, what was it with the outgrower scheme? So, with them, we did soya. Yeah, um, soya, we did seven hundred acres with the farmers, and. Um, with, with my farmers, I work with 420 farmers, wow. all spread in the West Mampresi. Uh, I work in six communities in the um, region or in the municipal. I work with 184 male farmers and 236 female farmers. That's a lot of farmers. So 420 farmers working on 700 acres. Yes. So averagely, a farmer does about one and a half acres. Exactly. Is that not too small for the farmers? It, it, it is. And... Um, it's, it's due to a number of reasons. When it comes to the women, they are, um, they are not fortunate to do so much acres. There is the land issue they face. And again, to the labor, because they serve as labor on the farms of the male or the family heads. Mm -hmm. So that is also another challenge. And again, too, farmers don't farm only one crop. So these farmers, they are doing little rice. Small soya here, small, small rice, rice here, small granules here, small this here. So exactly. that, that explains it. Yes. 
And again, too, there are other farmer, um, adult grower schemes that are also ongoing. So a farmer will pick from here, pick from there. They just want to try everything, mm -hmm. you know, as, yeah. as human as they are. Yeah. They just want to grab every opportunity. Mm -hmm. But um, that is our reality. What, what, what are some of the challenges you faced so far and how did you deal with the challenges? Um, with the outgrower scheme, the, the challenge has been more with the farmers repaying. It used to, but uh, I, I must say that with the right measures and step taking, I would say I've been able to build a very good structure and very good farmers I'm working with. You know, anyone who knows about the um, outgrower scheme will attest to the fact that when prices are high, farmers would want to side sell. I've had issues where farmers at a point of recovery told me they would rather want to pay for the cost of the input which was given to them in May, as in December. And you look at it, the value of whatever amount in May is not the same as it in December. But um, over time, we've been able to work with farmers who sees that this is a partnership. If these people do not come to my aid at the beginning of the season, there's no way I can go to a bank. I can't go for any loan because I don't have collateral. Mm -hmm. I don't have any record to, mm -hmm. uh, to qualify me for any, pay, uh, for any loan support. Mm -hmm. And again, too, they know that if this support do not come, their entire livelihood depends on it. Up north, we have one season. If they miss that season, that is the end for them. Mm. And that is all they have, their entire livelihood, depending on that. So, so size selling is a problem and getting your recoveries is a problem. Exactly. But with time and your experience, you've identified dependable farmers you can work with. Exactly. Uh, which you work with. And you also um, have some form of community involvement where influential people in the communities yes. help you use the right farmers to give you the returns. That's interesting. Yes. Aside the farmers, what else are some of your, 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 your challenges that you have to deal with on a daily? Um, aside the weather failing usually, mm -hmm. which last year we experienced it a lot, but with that, thankfully, we have insurance to come in for it for mm -hmm. us. So with all our farms, both the nucleus farm and the outgrowth farm are all insured. So in situations where there is flood, there is drought, which affects or which in turn affects the yield, we have insurance coming in to help us or to cushion us for the difference in the yield that is produced. Mm. And, 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 and where do you get that insurance? Is it, is it from any of these insurance? Okay. Do you get the insurance the same way we get insurance for other things? No, it's not the same as buying insurance for your vehicle. Mm -hmm. With us, we have the Ghana Agricultural Insurance Pool. Okay. They are those who know us. They are those who are, who are agriculturists. They mm -hmm. understand the agri business. Mm -hmm. So we buy insurance from them. But I know all these mentioned insurance uh, together as a pool okay. and they support us through the Ghana Agriculture Insurance Pool mm. for us and their charge for the insurance I must say is is quite reasonable and it's it, it, it's okay for the mm. kind of work we do considering how risky agriculture is and the insurance also come in different packages depending mm. on what you want to do and exactly what you want to insure against there's always a package to cushion you should it happen. This is interesting. So those who say that, oh, agric is risky, you plant, you not get rains, you plant, maybe bushfires will burn them and you lose your money. Insurance cushions people in agribusiness now yeah. against some of these risks exactly. so that 
once you are doing it, you are rest assured that you can go all out and invest. Should yeah. the unfortunate happen, you have some form of um, support from the sure. insurance company. Let me even add on this too. We also have our extension officers. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we started, we just have the farmers a lot and we just keep working. But this time round, over the years, we have our extension officers identifying each farmer and the farm. So we are not absentee farmers who dump inputs on the farmers and go sit and just come up for um, our recovery. We visit them. We are with the farmer whilst the person is working. So when there are challenges, we are able to offer the needed assistance to these farmers. And again, too, we've partnered with some mechanization companies who are able to help our farmers when it comes to harvesting. So at the point of harvesting, whilst the farmer is threshing, we are taking our recovery day. Okay. And it's also part of the measures that we've taken to help us still run our business. Interesting. My guest today is PSCA. <laughs> Alberta Free Mensa. She went to Sudro uh, Secondary School, then UDS, now running an agribusiness venture called Witama Agribusiness Limited. Yeah. Last year, she farmed 200 acres of soya, 450 acres of rice, 50 acres of maize on her own. <laughs> and then she supported smallholder farmers to farm 700 acres of um, soya. Oh, yeah. Um, also in the north. West Mount Prusi is Waliwali. Yes. That's the vice president's hometown. Yes, it is. So the soya he's been eating is from his own backyard. Yeah. Interesting. So let's let's go into this year's production. Um, a lot has been said about the things happening on the global stage and the challenges. And I personally have sat here in this studio to 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 do the analysis of the farming space and the threats that we face. What's the feeling like up north? Um, what are farmers doing? What are you people doing uh, for this year? Because it's, it doesn't look good, I must be honest. And if you should speak to the smallholder farmers, this is terrible. Because I get calls, some of the farmers call in to ask, are you people going to come back again? Because they, 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 they listen, they know what's happening. And with um, the way prices are shooting, truth be told, Anyone who farmed with an X amount last season and had, let's say, Y, cannot use the same value of X to, um, to achieve Y again. Probably the person might be getting a quarter of whatever they had last season. And that's how terrible things are looking for us. And the worst of it is fertilizer issues. And unfortunately, we depend heavily on fertilizer for optimum um, yield. And with prices and the anticipated um, shortage, it looks it doesn't look good for us. And but again, I I am fortunate in my business to have partnered with to have partnered with um, Chigaba. It is a project, and um, what they do is they provide inputs to me on credit, and then I'm able to farm and also supply to my farmers. I know Chigaba is going to come to my aid and um, uh, currently they are also trying to put some funding together to support smallholder farmers. Because the issue here is that in the midst of this crisis, it's not even about we the big farms. It's more about the smallholder farmers. These are people who produce a chunk of what we eat. But these are farmers whose entire livelihood depends solely on farming. And whatever they produce, they consume part of it. They sell the others. And whatever they make is what they use to buy other non-agricultural um, products or services. By the time it's, um, it's, see the season is due, 
these farmers don't have anything and it doesn't look good for them mm. it's that terrible when it comes to how the season is going to be wow so the the targets we've set for ourselves as a country are we going to meet them let me speak for my little corner it's <laughs> <laughs> last year with the target and the population increasing it means consumption has also increased yeah but personally i'm not increasing my acreage so if last year i contributed to let's say x00 and now we are looking at x0000 and i'm not increasing my acreage we won't be able to achieve it. Wow. I don't know of those down south, but I'm speaking for myself and farming up north. Let's compare last year to this year, what the situation is. How much did you spend on, say, an acre of maize last year? Um, let's say, how much did you spend on fertilizer, for example, a bag of fertilizer last year? So let me run you a little through. So last year we spent um, 110 Mm-hmm. for one bag mm-hmm. and we used four bags mm-hmm. so we're looking we did 440 mm-hmm. then with the rice we're doing three bags mm-hmm. so and um last year with our glyphosate we're buying it around the 20 to a 25 maximum and with our other crop protection um, our weedicides and our herbicide insecticides we're not doing anything above a 50 cities okay and um even with our mechanization you know it's not just the inputs we have the mechanization up not because of how our land is definitely you plow so, so it gets dry yeah so you need to put a plow on it to break exactly the land up exactly and wow. in in, uh, in the ideal situation you are even supposed to harrow which some farmers do not have it what's to. the difference between plowing and harrowing so with uh, plowing you turn the soil deeply mm-hmm. you you do a proper turning of the soil okay and with the harrowing you you kind of smoothen it okay you make it more even because okay. the deep turning makes it uneven yes so the harrowing smoothens mm-hmm. the soil and it's also another way of we uh, preparing the land and controlling weeds mm-hmm. because it has been left for a longer period so this is also part of our weed control when it comes to so the cost weed. of plowing and harrowing to have has gone up yes because food oil has gone up and um tractor operators and owners are not they they are definitely going to increase their prices wow you know all along i i I was thinking about input cost as seed crop protection fertilizer but the input of mechanization has also gone up because of fuel prices yeah so so how is this year looking like for example the same things you bought last year uh, you said you bought fertilizer for 110 120 how much will a fertilizer be sold or how much is it being sold to you this year? Um, with the open markets, we know it's crossing uh, 400. But let me talk of subsidy because mm-hmm. this 110 is from subsidy. Yeah. From what I have heard that is likely to happen, we are likely to buy the 50 kg almost around the 380 to a 400 Ghana cedars mm-hmm. and the subsidy. Okay. Yeah, we are yet to see it happen though. And um, let me give an example of even glyphosate. Last year, we were buying it around 20 cities. Mm. But as at yesterday, when I checked, it's around 50 cities. Mm. And this is how high things are. You've mentioned glyphosate twice. What is glyphosate? Okay, so glyphosate, like the locals will usually call it condemned. It's, okay. It's the, it's, it's the product we use for more like a starter to kill all the weeds. Okay. It's uh, the initial weed control we do mm-hmm. just to make sure the land is cleared for production interesting alberta free mensa is my guest we are wrapping up here on the city business edition so prices are up um 
farmers don't have money because they've sold all their old stock and cost of living has also gone up. So how are you going to do your production this year? Because rationally, it should be that um, I should rather reduce my acreage mm -hmm. because the same money I had from last season cannot do what I did last season. But uh, in my case, like I mentioned, I am, I am dependent on Chigaba and also we are not increasing our acreage. We are just going to maintain it just to safeguard ourselves and our business. Wow. So. Wow. Anyway, my, my, my last set of questions. I know down south people can farm twice in a year, but up north you said you have only one season. Why is it so? So it's the rainfall pattern. Okay. Yes, that's mainly it. We have major rains between, um, properly between May. You know, because of climate change, all these things have, have changed. You just have to observe and know when to strike. You just prepare and wait. Because last year we were expecting rain somewhere June, but early part of June. We had it in the middle of June. So between latter part of May to somewhere July, anyone who wants to plant would have planted. But those who do granite happen to plant early. Then those who do the cereals, the maize, the rice, the soya, millet, sorghum, also follow. And that's all. So if you are serious about producing food this year, by June, farmers should have received inputs exactly, to yes. start farming. Yeah. Else, um, we will not be able to produce food. You want. There are a lot of dynamics that comes mm -hmm. into it. Example, if you are doing soya, and soya is such that um, the pollen is dependent on the flowering. Mm -hmm. If you don't plant it in, on time, and you go too much late, and it meets, it meets excessive rainfall, all these flowers are going to abort. And that will greatly impact on your yield. Mm. So timing is that essential. So we need to get our inputs early on time, and also be in season. Even with maize, there are times that if you are not on time, you may meet drought, which we know how maize are. Maize is such a pampered crop that if you miss your timing, your yields are going to be greatly affected. Mm. There is this other thing about the weather up north also being conducive for grains. How, is that, how does that work? Yes, it's part of the reasons why I am working up north. Aside school taking me to the north and I going there for the vast land available, Doing grains up north is more conducive and um, less costly because we have one season and we have a lot of sunshine. It's, it's just um, it's a two-edged thing. There are times it's bad, there are times it's so much in the positives for us. So we get to dry our products on the farm without using a dryer. Unlike down south where you need a dryer for your maize, you may need it for your soya, get the right moisture content and all that. And for that too, you have to pay. You have to pay, yes, exactly. But up north, you just have to let it God dry is on your the dryer. Floor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it dry. The only thing you need to make sure is prevent or guard your farm against bushfires. Mm -hmm. But with that, there is a time it starts. Mm. So if you know, um, okay, around this time it's going to start, just do your harvesting early. It comes with its own challenges when it comes with the farmers. With my farmers, we have partners who offer um, mechanization service, that's the threshing for them. But with other farmers who have to queue for treasures, if they are not fortunate, their farms get burnt up. And mm. last year, I witnessed a soya farm could I tell you, I saw heap of soya, harvested soya, and 
it had burnt, it burnt a mind. So no one knew, no one could rescue the cross. Wow. And that's how bad sometimes the situation can be if you, we don't have all these things in place. So for the north, the blood is our dryer, like you mm. said. So you have your insurance, you have your agronomy, you have your quality inputs, and yeah. then you also have to get the right mechanization so that everything is a 360 exercise to give you the right returns. It's been, it's, been, it's, been, it's been really good talking to you, learning new things about um, farming up north, um, food production, the outgrower schemes, your own production, but trust me, doing 200, of, uh, 200 acres of soya, 450 acres of rice, and 50 acres of um, maize on your own, plus 700 acres of soya with outgoers, I think that is impressive. And I'm really inspired by, by, by talking to you and listening to you. But if people want to get in touch, maybe they want to be trained, maybe they want to invest, maybe they want to partner, maybe they want to buy from you, how do people contact Witama Agribusiness Limited? So we are on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, as Witama Agribusiness Limited. You can also reach us on our, on our office line, 055-918-8742. 055-918-8742. And we'll gladly assist and support where mm. we have to. It's been good talking to you, Alberta Efriye Mensa, PSA. Alberta and also Efriye a developer. It's been good talking to you. <laughs> On the business edition i wish you all the best um in my travels i'll try to make time and visit your farms as well this we'll year be glad to have, I have you. to see what uh, you are doing and how things are going i wish you all the best Thank and i you. wish all farmers the best and i i must say that we need to invest in farmers we need to invest in agri so that we can continuously produce food to ensure our food security if we do not do that we are going to have to import more food a lot more people would have to lose sustainable means of employment and it's not going to be good for all of us. So as Ghanaians, let's support agribusiness ventures to thrive so that together we produce the best of food to feed ourselves and to feed the world. My name is Kojo Akoto Boating. This has been the City Business Edition, the City Breakfast Show with Bernard and the rest of the team continues. Stay with us. <laughs>